Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond. I am a church planner candidate with Mile One Mission. And right to my right, <laughs> we have... <laughs> my name is Matt Leahy. I'm a church planter with Mile One yes, Mission. Yes, you are. And we also have... My name is David Drover, and I'm an intern here. And last but not least... I'm Steve Daw. I am the Director of Education for Mile One Mission. All right, guys. So today we are going to talk about a very fun issue... How to lead people to faith. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And if you're, if you're familiar with that at all, that was from Nacho Libre. And yes, that was a toilet flushing. Uh, so yeah, today we're going to talk about how to lead people to faith. It's a very interesting topic. Going through our Send Network Canada training It's something we talk about a lot. Um, something we've had a lot of conversation about here uh-huh. in the office as well. But to get started, in order to lead someone to faith, um, I'll have assumed that you guys have at least at some point shared your faith with someone. Uh, you can't really so lead someone to faith or to Jesus if you haven't told them about Jesus. Well, I, I, I am going to push back even at the beginning here because, you know... W- of course you would. <laughs> it feels <laughs> a little, Absolutely. It feels a little like we're using aphorisms here, you know, just... Uh, kind of buzzwords about leading someone to faith or leading someone to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about uh, you know sharing your faith, we mean telling people about what we believe when it comes to Jesus Christ. Is that right? That's it. That's okay. it, my. And leading someone to Christ is. It's not the same as leading a horse to water. No, not at all. It's telling somebody how to put their faith in Christ, right? Mm. Is just I think the definitions are going to be important. Yeah, yeah, we can go with that. It's not well. We can get into the nitty gritty later, but yeah, it's not the same as Matt said, leading a horse to water, leading someone to a specific place. I feel when, like the distinction here is we're not when we often hear things like lead people to Christ. What people mean by that often is lead them to conversion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, do you want to accept Christ into your heart? Yeah, whereas what we're probably going to lean towards in our definition of it is leading somebody to Jesus. In other words, leading them to just the truth about who Jesus was, what he did, basically sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily that that leading them to conversion, but just leading them to see Jesus for who he is and what he did. So let me ask you guys, um, not everyone is, is super comfortable doing this. Um, so what thoughts or tips do you guys have on how to evangelize or how to share your faith, what you believe with people around you, your coworkers, your friends, acquaintances, how, how do you do that? How, and how would you suggest other people who aren't as comfortable with it? How do they get more comfortable with it? Use words of possible. Mm. <laughs> oh, <No. okay>. uh, <laughs> um, Use We're going to have to have some discussion <laughs> all the time if you can. Sorry, it was, just, it was right for the picking. I couldn't <laughs> help but use it. <laughs> Matt started off this episode as a church blender. He's not going to end uh, yeah, as a church no. blender. <laughs> so I am the new church blender of Kilbride. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, guys, so uh, honestly, like, you know, not everyone is um, comfortable in sharing their faith. As a lot of people get nervous. You know. Well, 
I, I mean, part of that, I think, actually stems from the way we ramp up the importance of this in mm -hmm. such a, you, you, that you have to, to get this perfect. Mm. You have to do it really, really well. So, and, and I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think the first thing that we need to do when we're going to, you know, evangelize people is to believe it yourself. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, and, and I don't mean that just in the sense of talking about the things that are, I don't know, um, you know, making sure that you have the right theology and stuff. It's just, it's, it's important that when we talk about Jesus, when we're talking about faith, we are actually believing that Jesus is the center point of our lives. Mm -hmm. He is the most important thing. In a lot of ways, to make him the center, make God center central to our affections. You know, I was, I'm watching this show, uh, yeah, this last few weeks, and there's a, a great example of that, Steve. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a an actress who plays Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, and then there's a, an actor who plays Nicodemus, and he he's Nicodemus is very perplexed at, at the change that he saw in in Mary Magdalene, and so he he confronts her, and he he's like, "How does this happen?" And she said, you know, I don't, I don't understand, but what I do know is that I was one way and then I met him, Jesus, and then now I'm a completely different person. Yeah. So to play off that, you can also just go to John nine where, you know, the man, the man born blind, mm. all he knew is that once I was blind and now I can see. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also to add on to what Steve was saying too, I think just to really emphasize like and I'm going to even qualify before I say it, not that we need to be perfect. And, and know everything, but we do need to know the gospel, I think, before we should go and try and evangelize. Like, it's important to know the fundamental truths. And I remember as I was going through seminary, uh, my missions prof, he actually went to this text, um, Matthew 23, 13, and warning, it's not a very nice text. Um, Jesus is saying, he says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people... You, yeah, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces... For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Ooh. That's pretty uh, heated. But when we're doing missions, when we're doing evangelism, I think there's a real warning there that we don't want to be making twice a child of hell as us if we don't even believe in the in the gospel, yeah. right? So I do think there is a really real warning there for us as we... Yeah, and I think, too, there's also um, a necessity of recognizing that this isn't kind of a different thing from the faith that we have. I mean, the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ means that I do talk about him, mm -hmm. that I... It's not a tack-on thing that, you know, oh, well, now you must evangelize because it is one of the many things that you must do as a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, ideally speaking, me telling people about the single most important person in my life mm -hmm. shouldn't be that big a deal. Well, it's a big deal, but it shouldn't be, you know attack onto the rest of my life. So Dave, do you have any trouble um, meeting someone and they ask you, you know, what's your story? Are you married or anything? Do you have any trouble telling them about Leanne? No. So, and I think it's a hundred percent right because we have things that we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. We have things that we love talking about. And I always think back when I was studying John four and the woman at the well, like she, she just, 
leaves and goes and tells everybody her testimony. She's not like, oh, these people hate me. Like, oh, what are they going to say? She just goes and does it out of the abundance of joy that she just met Jesus. Yep. But I think, so I guess, I guess the tip that I'm about to share is if we have a problem with evangelism, then there's probably a problem with our joy. Yeah. Because we have no problems telling people about, like Adam just said, the example, like I, I'll go tell people about Leanne. You know, I, I'm a huge soccer fan. I love Real Madrid. No, boy. And, you know, I have no problems going to other rival teams' fans and being <laughs> like, my team's way better than yours because it, it excites me. It passion, like, it's, it's a passion for me. Mm-hmm. But if we were to have the same kind of joy, the same kind of passion, the same kind of heart and love for Jesus, then how much more would we not be weirded out by this thing of sharing him with others, but we would just be... How can we not share them with others? And it doesn't have um, to be like a prescribed thing. Like you don't need to write out, okay, I need to tell someone, Jesus is definitely the Son of God. He did these things. He definitely died. He definitely rose. I mean, you can share them in a conversational way. You don't need to script it out. No, I think you actually have to read out the entire 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. <laughs> well, I've been doing it wrong every single time. time. <laughs> well, no, I, I I am joking there. I, I so, don't mean that. Do not actually read out the entire 1689 <laughs> Baptist Confession of Faith to everybody you talk. But, but I mean, yes, there is definitely like we, I think I think we need to be real about how Jesus has changed us and be open about our testimony. You know, like the man born blind that we mentioned, like. The woman at the well comes to you, man, who told me all I ever did. All I know is I was blind. Now I see. We need just to to be able to articulate how Jesus has changed us. But then, I mean, obviously, if he's, then we should know the gospel after that as well. Right. But well, there's also uh, another element um, to this uh, whole topic of evangelizing and sharing your faith and giving your testimony. You know, going back to what you're talking about, Dave. You know, if you're a Real Madrid fan, uh, you have no problem talking about your your uh, you know, fandom in, in Real Madrid or talking about how much you love your wife and, and your marriage and all that kind of good stuff. But there's no cost. There's no cost to you talking about that to other people. You're not going to be persecuted for it. You're not going to encounter, you're not going to be challenged. For, no, no, by you don't love your wife. You don't I mean, know the soccer right? world very well. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, no, <laughs> I'm fair enough. Okay. Well, but though, 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 I mean, that is kind of the issue too. And I mean, to add to it, Sometimes our bad theology, or what I would say is our bad theology, can add to the cost as well. Mm. I mean, the fact is, maybe I don't want to evangelize people because I am totally afraid that if I do it poorly, I'll make make it impossible for them to come to faith because I will have essentially inoculated them from Jesus Christ by telling them all sorts of terrible, horrible things. You know, if I if I'm trying to be faithful. Yep, and then there's also like this is a multifaceted topic and but there's also the contextual uh, nature of it as well and so uh, for example I'll, I'll explain it using a, a story when when my wife and I first moved back to Newfoundland we went to a, a family dinner and my uh, someone close to me had said hey you know why are you back in Newfoundland like what do you know no one moves to Newfoundland right and I said to her you know I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to start a church and she said that's great good for you I'm a Christian don't preach to me and so there's, there's, it's a weird thing, right, for a Christian to look at another Christian and say, don't preach to me. And so there's this, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, like an onion here in, in Newfoundland, you got to peel back some layers to, to get to the point, uh, you know, in a lot of regards to, to share the gospel with someone or to share your faith or your testimony with someone. But that's not, that's not 
all the time, but you can't ignore the fact that there are some contextual issues happening here in, in, in this part of the world that, you know. Right. Though I, I mean, to, I do kind of think that our willingness to be faithful to who Jesus is and to seek after him and to, to place him as our central affection does sometimes deal with a lot of that. I mean, the fact is, when I'm talking to somebody about something or other and they say, I don't know, I don't know, is does does life have any meaning or whatever? Because mm. that does come up. <laughs> That's yeah, an open does, door yeah. right there. But if you're sitting down, you're playing, uh, I don't know, Clue, and it's like, oh, I, I think it might be the the janitor with the, you know, the candlestick or what oh hey, hey did you hear about jesus like I mean, that's <laughs> kind of that i mean I, I mean that's actually not really seeing the situation for what it is it's not really actually being faithful to christ i mean the fact is okay i'm gonna throw in a word here that i, I believe in god's sovereignty mm-hmm. the fact is i don't need to push somebody into specifically making sure that they uh, that this is going to be the open door but I do have to be honest when the open door is there and just tell the truth. So speaking about God's sovereignty, do you think a lot of people feel there's a lot of pressure to sharing sharing your faith? Absolutely. Do you think that's a, a pressure we should we should feel or should we have that trust? How do you think God's sovereignty plays in sharing your faith? Well, I, again, Steve comes back to understanding your own theology on the matters of salvation. So understandably, and I agree with Steve that how some people might feel like there is a pressure, but there should be a sense of urgency right, mm-hmm. in, in sharing your faith, right? But it doesn't necessarily depend on you to save that person. No. Actually, I'd go so far as to say you can't save that person. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's go into, with that said, like, why don't we see a certain plan laid out in Scripture for, to quote, unquote, get someone saved, or, or Newfoundland, you're solved, you got solved. Well, technically, we do have a plan in in the scriptures to to be saved. You preach the gospel. Yeah, there you go. I mean, everyone wants to go back to Acts, right? Well, like, I mean, Acts does actually say it, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It it does. But you know, when you look at how Peter and and John, you know, confronted and and you know, dare I say it, led many people to Christ in Acts uh, two, was it or so, Acts three? So, hold on, I want to jump in right there. So I, I get from the theological thing, but I don't think we need to be afraid of saying the words like led to, because I mean, I think it's in first Corinthians where Paul literally says, I became all things to all people so that I might save some. Yeah, so there is a the theological nuance, but I don't think we need to tiptoe around no, that's right. being so sorry. I, I just feel just yeah, to have we, that said. We, we don't <laughs> do the actual saving, but we do yes. inform people about who is Oh, Savior. God, God uses us to play a role, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't actually save anybody. But He does use us to play a role, and we do, you know. And it is a script, like Paul says it, um, like so that I might save some. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not that Paul Paul doesn't think that he miraculously brings people from death to life, spiritual death to life, but he realizes that God uses imperfect people to proclaim the good news because God chose to, not because he needs us, but because he that's what he decided to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, um, there's a difference between being the instrument of God's use and being the agent of God, like being mm-hmm. the actual. I am not the person it. who, I don't save the person. E. Paul doesn't save the person, but Paul does put himself in the context where God will be ready to use him for those things. And I think that's what we need to be doing as mm-hmm. believers. I mean, this is why I think... Honestly, the best way to start for evangelism is to s- do your Bible reading and pray. 
-hmm. like spend time with Jesus. So I would love to ask you guys too, because I mean, I think this is a bit of a tension. Um, and sorry, Adam, I know this isn't necessarily the questions, but because we've, we've said a couple things like about, we need to get the gospel right, mm -hmm. but then we also need to not be afraid to mess up, Absolutely. quote unquote. Yep. How do those things come together? Like what's the, like that, because that to me seems like there's a bit of a tension. And I think a lot of people who are probably listening might feel that tension. Like, what's the line between, oh, I have to have my theology and doctrine right versus, I, but I, I, I can still just be me and not, and not have to worry about getting it all wrong. Right. I think to be, and I'm, I'm, I hate to, you know, be capitalizing on this, but I think a large chunk of that is in our faithfulness, not specifically to evangelism, but to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact is, when, uh, when, and just to answer your question, the plan in Scripture for uh, saving people is tell them to repent and believe in Jesus. So there's no sinner's prayer? Uh, I haven't seen it. No, you have to walk the aisle up to the altar. And they might be useful things to show, show that you're putting mm -hmm. faith in Jesus. It might be a, faith, uh, a great way to tell people you must repent and put your faith in Jesus. But the point is, put your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, sorry, just going back to to the examples in in Acts where you see Peter pretty much doing that. He he lays out, uh, you know, this is Jesus. This is what happened to him. Now repent and believe. And what does it say? They were cut to the heart. Right. Yeah. He basically laid out the gospel and let the chips fall where they may, you know. And three thousand people. But you know, that's one particular situation. Mm -hmm. uh, there are others throughout throughout Acts and throughout the New Testament. Uh, where you see people coming to saving faith in not such extreme examples, yeah. right? And of course, this also gets back to the other thing when it comes to the tension that uh, Dave is running, uh, talking about there, because it's a real tension. I mean, the fact is, you can actually say really stupid things about people. I mm -hmm. have actually tried to, you know, make people believe in Jesus in ways that the Jesus I was explaining wasn't even close to the Jesus in the Bible. And the result is, you know, that they are not actually saved because what the, the Jesus they, they might believe in is not the real one. But the way to fix that isn't to, you know, make sure that I've trained in the proper methods of evangelism. The way to fix that is to, you know, seek and know Jesus better mm -hmm. so that I can talk about him. And then based on the fact that I tr seek and trust in Jesus, recognize that, I, I mean, I had this, I saw this thing on Facebook today where uh, somebody puts the, the meme there and, and says, you know, you, you may think that you have, uh, you have just, uh, ended God's plan for your life. You have totally missed God's plan for your life. And it says, beautiful friend, you're not that powerful. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, you know, another meme that's coming to my head is that, that Boromir uh, meme, you know, one doesn't simply lead <laughs> someone to, to right? <laughs> one doesn't simply trump God's plan. That's right. <laughs> like it's we don't serve a God who fits neatly to our pocket, who you know is not in control of things. We serve a great and awesome, mighty God who is compassionate, who is loving, who is merciful. Yes, but who's also just, who rightly judges evil. Um, who use who can even use evil for good, and if that's the case, then he's completely sovereign over right. the mistakes we can make. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I remember uh, we've talked about a few, in in a few different contexts this this idea of the Christian the Christian call isn't 
primarily to be effective. Mm-hmm. Now, the primarily it, we, we are called primarily to be faithful. Now, faithfulness might mean working to be more effective, as you know, Paul was for uh, different people. You know, he became uh, a, a, a one, as one under the law that he might reach people under the law. Mm-hmm. But that's part of his being faithful, not mm-hmm. not primarily the effectiveness. And yeah, I love how J.D. Greer kind of puts a similar idea to that. It's a quote from him. I think it's the Right Now Media Study on Judges. At one point he says something, not exact quote, but um, being used by God is more about availability, not ability. Yeah. So if we can just be available, if we're if we're being open for the different you know doors that might open for us in everyday life, willing to speak into people's lives, willing to share the gospel to share about how jesus has changed us how jesus answers questions like why are we all here you know answering these big questions and Um, just just to go off that as well but the the availability is it's also looking into your context right so like for example uh you know you might be working at a supermarket you might be you know really gifted in this that or the other thing and it's looking at your surrounding and seeing where has god placed you what giftings and talents has he indwelt inside of you? And then using your context to be both obedient and faithful, as Steve has said. So like, you know, for example, you know, you might be working at a Tim Hortons or whatever. And it's like, well, you know what? Um, I'm not really gifted in, oh, I don't know, skateboarding, but I'm going to go to the skate park and, you know, use my skateboarding or lack of abilities to preach the God. Like, no, use whatever situation you're in. Tell the guy right in front of you about right, Jesus exactly. instead of the guy, you know, you have to find somewhere. Mm. Right. I mean, it, it helped. I mean, yes, it opened the door a bit easier when I was a, uh, when I was worked at uh, the rec room here in, in our mall, uh, people knew I was a, a pastor, so it opened up doors very quickly. Uh, but I mean, I don't see why that's changed if you, people know you're a Christian, mm-hmm. right? To, to be open to questions, to be open to having these conversations with people. And, you know, to be okay to just point them to Jesus, it's, it's okay. Like, you don't need to have every inch of your doctrine figured out, but if you can point them biblically to Jesus. And I'm going to be a, a little bit more out there on it. Sometimes it's actually better if you don't have all of the, mm-hmm. you know, like all of your I's dotted and T's crossed, which is weird for me to say, because like I'm the most into making sure all your theological I's are dotted and T's are crossed. He really is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But still, I mean, God is sovereign not merely over the context of the thing people that you're talking to. He's mm-hmm. been con- He's been sovereign over your life all the time up to this point. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, the person that's in your life that you right now want to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's probably putting that affection in your heart. He's already prepared you for whatever it's going to be, whatever role you are going to play in that person's salvation, if that salvation is done. He's he's dealt with all of the points as to what kinds of theology things you've had to deal with yourself, the questions you've had to yep. uh, wrestle with in Scripture, the errors and problems that you've had. He's already preparing you specifically for this task that he's going to do. You're a crooked stick. God is going to draw some straight lines with you. And he can do it. So, I mean, the, again, it's, it, it really is to be faithful, including faithful with who you actually are, not with some kind of 
super Christian you want to put yourself out to be. Yeah. So and, I guess if we could sum up kind of a lot of what we talked about already, it would be kind of basically to seek Jesus, love him, find your joy in him, and then be faithful by just being real with people. And trust, yeah. Trusting God and just sharing the, 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 the God you serve. Just yeah. let Jesus overwhelm your heart as he as he will as you seek him and then just let that flow out into your everyday life and just be real yeah, yeah and like admittedly boys uh, i i don't like that question how many people have you led to christ uh you know in the last three weeks six months one year your whole life right it's it's not a fair question to ask but i i like how you know again coming back to what steve said maybe we should be asking the question how many times have you been faithful and obedient in the situations god has placed in your life to sharing your faith mm. and that that right. brings back like very quickly the the parable of the sower right i mean jesus tells us flat out um when you tell people about me when you tell them the gospel here's the types of people types of responses you're going to get it's going to fall on the path it's not even going to go anywhere and no satan's going to eat, eat it up before it goes anywhere and it's going to fall on shallow soil people will I mean, I'm sure we've all seen this. People jump on it, get very excited, get very passionate, but then they wither very quickly because there's no real root. Yep. And then you fall in, you know, I guess somewhat decent soil, but there's thorns in there. And yep. eventually those thorns choke people out, you know, choke out the, the gospel. But then you get the rich soil where it, it gets real deep roots and it produces fruit up to, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 times right. of, of what planted it. And we shouldn't expect everyone to have that positive impact. We should expect, you know, that's, it's what, one out of four or whatever that Jesus uses. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not saying one out of four people are going to accept the gospel, but it's very rare that you could possibly come across someone who's actually going to have that genuine response to what you're saying. And you know what? Like for anyone who, who is listening to this, it is absolutely okay if you haven't personally led someone to Christ in the last like I said, six months or a year, it's not up to you. It's not up to your ability or the way you say things to say it perfectly to get someone to saving faith. Only God can save. Only God can raise people from the dead. And that's something absolutely freeing, uh, you know, to realize that it's all up to God. It's yeah. not up to you. Just be obedient and faithful to what God has called you to. Yeah. And I mean, that's got to be the, uh, the end point because... In the end, uh, why I don't like the question, how many people have you led to led to Christ? I haven't the foggiest. Mm -hmm. Because the fact is... Absolutely, that's great. Because absolutely, every time I, I talk about the gospel incessantly to a lot of people, that doesn't necessarily mean that any of the people who've been listening have you know, come to Saving Faith, and it doesn't mean that the people that who did come to Saving Faith because of it, I pointedly know. I mean, the fact is... God uses it. We also don't know the impact of that seed you planted. Right. Right? I mean, again, it's another parable. Some plant, you know, some water, and overnight it grows. The farmer doesn't know how it grows, but God causes it to grow. So someone you're sharing the gospel with, Steve, might not, you might not be the person to, you know, lead them to Christ, but five, ten down years, five, ten years down the road, someone could because of the influence you had now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so guys, this has been a great conversation. So anyone listening, just, just remind to be faithful, um, be available, uh, be, look for opportunities where you are to just 
share about the most important person in your life who is Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I'm going to admit uh, the thing that we, the stuff we were, we, we've been saying here, can be controversial in some Christian circles. Mm. Uh, if you guys have, you know, if you want to push back on what we're saying, uh, go right ahead, uh, drop us a line. Um, yeah, even come on the show, love it. Yeah, totally. All right, well, thanks for listening uh, to this episode of Rugged Theology. Catch us again next week. Uh, thank you again for listening so much, and thank you guys for joining me. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.